0: connected to Business Wrap, inspiring ideas that propel the business community forward. And now, our special edition of Cranes Detroit Business, Detroit Rising, with senior reporter Chad Livingood. Welcome, everyone. This is Chad Livingood, senior reporter at Cranes Detroit Business, and you're listening to Detroit Rising, a weekly podcast on CranesDetroit.com and a segment on Business Wrap. In this show, we're talking with leaders in business, government, nonprofits, and philanthropy who are growing their businesses, investing in the city, focused on reversing Detroit's decades-long decline. Um, this week, we are recording from Ideal Group, a manufacturer of steel products uh, and bollards and handrails in southwest uh, Detroit over on Clark Avenue. And my guest in this week's segment is Chase Cantrell. He is the executive director and founder of Building Community Value, a Detroit-based nonprofit that's dedicated to implementing Facilitating real estate development projects in underserved area neighborhoods of Detroit, Um, he is uh, uh, also the fund manager manager of Cooperative Capital's uh, inaugural private equity fund, uh, the the Detroit Community Capital. Uh, Thank you for joining us today,
1: Chase. Thanks for having me.
0: Um, You have developed a a class uh, to help. People figure out how to get into neighborhood real estate development. I mean, so much of of, of the uh, emphasis and the, sort of the talking points of of uh, business leaders is we've got to get to the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's why everyone's you know trying to get outside of downtown and midtown, and uh, because that you know. The general uh, agreement is that we can't just build a shining city of seven <laughs> square miles uh, right, and leave right. the rest uh, uh, as it is. So, um, um, uh, what is this class, and how, and and uh, how you know how are you uh, trying to get more Detroiters mm-hmm. involved in? in
1: rebuilding their city? So the class was originally piloted by the University of Michigan. So this was born out of the desire of a business school professor named Peter Allen, who initially came down to Detroit. He teaches a similar course at the business school there, and he wanted to offer Detroiters just a sense of how you do small-scale development in neighborhoods. So without much staff, without much funding, 2015, he started this at the Detroit Center um, in Midtown. And over time, you know, word spread. And um, 20. 16, I got involved in, in the project to uh, try to to scale it a bit more, to bring it to more Detroiters, to get more funding in the, in the hands of participants in the course at the very end of it, and basically what we do is we teach Detroiters how in their own neighborhoods they can identify properties, how they can do an economic analysis to understand if it actually makes sense to do a development, how they access capital, and also how they access professionals like contractors, architects, lawyers, accountants, etc.
0: Uh, I mean, it, it's it goes beyond just buying the side lot next to your house. Right. <laughs> uh, you, you want you want them to to be able to know how to uh, to buy into mm-hmm. residential real estate and
1: commercial. It's residential and small scale commercial. So think of your one or two story commercial building on a commercial corridor.
0: Yeah. And so, um, how many courses and how how much success have you had so far with
1: this? So it's 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 been really successful from our point of view. So we've done five of them so far since twenty fifteen. Um, we offer it twice a year. So Um, We have one coming up this summer starting in June and we have people who have actually purchased property throughout the city. We have stories of not only people purchasing, but purchasing, accessing capital and actually rehabbing. So getting those vacant properties back into um, active use.
0: Are there some business examples or uh, the uh, commercial businesses that you? Can...
1: The com- the commercial is a little bit harder. So we we have had students who have purchased commercial, but none that have seen a development project all the way through. So we're we're trying to um, really modify the course in some way to to help those commercial um, developers a little bit more. What's
0: well. what's the biggest challenge in commercial?
1: Uh, the biggest cha- for for both residential and commercial is access to capital. So figuring out. Um, really what those capital sources are um, convincing banks and cdfis community development financial institutions to actually take the risk on certain neighborhoods and also take the risk on developers who um, don't have the big names that we're used to hearing in downtown and midtown so that's really where a class like better buildings better blocks comes into play it allows us to Um, put our participants in contact with um, financial institutions, contacts that we have, and actually help to sort of be a middleman of some sorts um, um, in trying to help the banks understand why it makes sense to actually do these kinds of uh, transactions.
0: As you're uh, advising these students about um, uh, trying to get that commercial building uh, Mm -hmm. financing, um, what's... uh, is there, is there a problem in the city where the strategy has been focused on a couple of specific areas? And if you're outside of those specific areas like this one, Southwest Detroit, or mm-hmm. the Villages, uh, or um, Livernois and McNichols, um, is there a, a bias that's been built up that outside of those areas is not where the CDFIs or the banks are going?
1: Well, there, There is... Um I don't know if bias is too strong, but there there definitely is a focus on certain neighborhoods in the city. Um but I I push back on that concept because even in midtown and downtown, even in the southwest and the lift sixes of of, of Detroit building that capital stack the 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 layered financing that you need to get a deal done um, is difficult even in the hot neighborhoods right so i mean without gap financing from a cdfi without subsidy without grants at the state level making those deals work is also very difficult so um even though we're seeing developments that are moving forward in some neighborhoods i think in from the outside it looks like it's easy but it's not like some of those deals take a year or more to actually try to put together the capital stack um, but there definitely is a focus from banks, from the city, from the planning department, that, they, that there is this goal to build up certain areas first, um, with the idea of going into neighborhoods adjacent to those um, over time.
0: Yeah, um, but you push back on the concept that you should just limit yourself to those uh, or are
1: those are the easy areas, but they're not so easy. They're not so easy, in fact. So um, I would not, I, I do not counsel my my students to, to just limit themselves to those areas. Um, we think that, you know, as we've seen in other neighborhoods that are hot now, it, it took that first developer to come in as a catalyst developer to say, I'm going to have confidence in this neighborhood. I'm going to have confidence in this commercial corridor or um this residential block. I'm going to buy a property or two and that actually begins something that that makes that neighborhood viable for for financing parties.
0: Yeah, I, I just heard about the Seven Live uh, project. Oh, yeah. uh, that, that and they needed a um, well over a million dollar grant yes, from, from yeah. the Michigan Economic, Economic Development Corporation in order to make that thing work. Mm-hmm. And that's a you know a pretty stable neighborhood being, right. right next to Sherwood Forest and um, and but, there are
1: there are other property holders in that area now that are you know who uh, have have either taken my class or taken another class. There's a capital impact course um, for developers developing at a larger scale um they're trying to figure out in that livernois six mile and seven mile corridor how they make their deals work now too so i mean it's 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 not easy at all but once you have that first deal um people begin to think oh this is actually possible let me see what i can do as well
0: so to participate in better buildings uh better blocks uh, you have to be a detroit ham or highland park resident that's
1: correct that's correct
0: and, and that's geared towards what
1: so so the so the idea is when someone who lives in a neighborhood actually takes part in the development process. Um, Especially for residential, the, the, the kind of, um, the, the the fabric of the, the social fabric that we've seen decay over time in some neighborhoods because we've seen blight we've seen decay in, in some of the homes um when you have your landlord who is two or three doors down versus having your landlord who lives in an in, you know an adjacent state or even a different continent um there's a different rapport with with that developer with that landlord that you would have um so you know we really want develop we want detroiters to be able to um literally take ownership over their own neighborhoods um not only just to build wealth for themselves but also to have that positive impact because many of them live in the neighborhoods that they're trying to develop in
0: it, that is uh the foreign investors is a, still a still a
1: problem isn't <laughs> it, it is it, um, it really is i mean i
0: walked last summer i walked through with um uh, a belgian guy <laughs> walked through his properties mm-hmm. he was uh there's a long story about how i got connected with this but uh, they said you want to walk through with this guy while he's in town and um, i said sure and um i mean they're, they're they he paid way too much and, mm-hmm. and uh and uh he you know it's he, a continent away, and there's no way you could guard your property, pretty much, and right. or, or or make sure that you're responsibly, you know, taking care of it. And it's, it's, they're probably going to go to the land bank and get torn down.
1: Yeah, I mean, one there's an interesting site. It's called Property Praxis that actually shows um, property holders in the city of Detroit who hold more than I believe it's more than three properties. So if you if you want to see where those large land holdings are, there's actually a site for that. Huh. So
0: it to track track these these uh, speculators. The speculators, basically, exactly. basically. So, is there is there anything that, from your standpoint that you think the city ought to do to try to cut down the speculation, or, or 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 that they kind of exhausted all the options?
1: Well, I think that both the Detroit Land Bank Authority as well as the um, Wayne County Land Bank are trying to figure out ways to actually. Um, make it more difficult for people to buy in bulk for these speculators to do what they have done in the past. But for for many Detroit neighborhoods, it's, it's too little too late. Um, if you look at a site like Property Practice, you'll see, I mean, there are already speculators who have um, 50, 100 more homes in the city of Detroit. Um, putting putting regulations into place now, to me, is a little bit too little too late. So, uh
0: moving forward, you just want to focus on getting more Detroiters, more Detroiters uh, involved, equipped mm-hmm. and um and have the knowledge base uh, so they they can they can start to uh, start to have a have a stake in the in
1: the comeback. Right, to have a stake in the comeback, but also if you look at the pool of developers that we have in Detroit. Um and this was true, so um for the listeners, I'm, I'm a, I was a lawyer in another life, so I did real estate and corporate law. At a large firm, all of our development clients were um, none of them were people of color, right? So, in a city that's eighty percent African American, seven eight percent Latino, most of the developers were white. Um, so, understanding who the developers are in our city, um, you know, it's it's important that people of color get involved in this more. I think, um, and also, you know, when 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 a person of color goes to a financial institution to to get financing if there aren't other examples um you have to think about who these underwriters are most of the underwriters for banks in in the region um you know aren't familiar with a lot of the Detroit neighborhoods where people are trying to develop and aren't used to having large financial packages with um with developers of color but you know seeing more developers doing it um you know makes it easier for the next developer who comes along so we need to start building that pipeline it's,
0: and and someone has to break the barriers. Someone has to break the barrier for uh, the for the next guy.
1: Yep. And I and I, and I see. Cal. So I see, especially in gal as well. You know, we there are a lot of, you know, female developer superstars out there who get no credit. So really wanting to not only acknowledge them but make sure that there are more in that pipeline. But I see that building community value is part of really a three stage pipeline. There are actually three organizations doing something similar. So. You have Project Destin, which is teaching development skills for children, um, middle-aged and high school-aged children. Um, you have Building Community Value, which is an um, you know an on-ramp for people who either have done some small-scale development or are very interested and want to do something for the first time. You know these are you know d- you know developers doing deals under 100k. And then you have capital impact partners a local cdfi who just put together an equitable development program for people of color um largely trying to do deals over a million dollars so i mean you have three different organizations trying to really attack this at three different stages and it's really all about building that pipeline
0: in, for the commercial corridors, um, in the strategy the city has got to, mm-hmm. they're going to start doing some uh, infrastructure up- upgrades uh, to about seven different corridors, right. and, and well over a hundred million dollars uh, uh, of investment there. How is how important is that going to be to to getting some of these commercial corridors to become vibrant
1: shopping districts again? I mean, it's extremely important. So you know, I'm working with one community development organization on the Northwest side, um, their commercial corridor is slated for the, these kinds of improvements that you just mentioned. Um, and when we're talking to CDFIs and when we're talking to banks about, you know, financing for new construction projects along that corridor, the fact that we know that there's going to be corridor improvements coming along actually helps that discussion. So, I mean, I've seen it in lift six, I've seen it in grandma Rosedale, like having, having that slated to happen, Actually makes the conversation of yes, you know, this is the next neighborhood. This makes construction easier for for these organizations. Why is
0: that? Banks are uh, did they did they like they, new
1: roads? Well, they 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 want to go where the city is prioritizing city Bixie, so city of Detroit, um, and having those infrastructure projects slated for those neighborhoods that indicates to them that this is a safer bet. Banks are about, you know, minimizing their risk, and when they know that, you know, there's other monies being put into a neighborhood, that is a signal to them that there's less risk involved.
0: Yeah, it's just not uh, trying to spiff up one little block without exactly. actually fixing the block right. uh, that is under. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, kind of um, moving forward, what do you what do you see as um, uh, the, the near-term challenges uh, for more Detroiters to get into uh, get into real estate development?
1: so beyond the knowledge gap and that's and that's really why the organizations i mentioned are important just really accessing capital so um there are several different players that are trying to come up with more creative strategies for deploying capital in this real estate space Um, cdfis are supposed to be those um those financial institutions that are able to take more risk but um even they don't always take the most risk so there are some private equity funds that are being formed Cooperative Capital being one of them that are going to try to deploy more capital into these smaller deals.
0: And Chase, just real quickly, if people want to uh, apply for your program, how do they do that?
1: On our website, it's bcvdetroit.org, b is in building, c is in community, v is in value, detroit.org.
0: And then and the application deadline is it's
1: April 27th at midnight.
0: That's that's for the next uh, round of of courses
1: this summer. Then. This summer, from June through August, yes.
0: Okay, well, thank you very much, uh, Chase Cantrell, uh, uh, the of uh, um, executive director and founder of Building Community Value, um, for joining us here on uh, Detroit Rising. My pleasure. I'm Chad Livingood, senior reporter at Cranes Detroit Business. You've been listening to Detroit Rising. You can catch up on our past pod- podcast segments on CranesDetroit.com.